Hello and welcome to episode six of the Blow on the Cartridge podcast. I'm your host, John, and I'm joined by, as usual, with my two friends here, Sean and Alex. Say hi, fellas. Hello, John. I like that it's. I like that you said I'm your friend. Yeah, I have to force that every time. <laughs> uh, we are here today to talk about uh, Persona 3, and in particular, Persona 3 Portable. Uh, Alex is going to be doing the introduction this time, so please take it away, sir. All right. For, for those of you who are already fans of the game, Persona 3, the original Persona 3, was released in 2007 in the United States. An updated uh, re-release with some... Extra little extras added on was released in 2008 called Persona 3 FES, short for festival, because it introduced a festival aspect of the game at some point. And then in 2010 in the United States, Persona 3 Portable was released on the PSP, Sony's flagship portable console. Persona 3 Portable brought several changes, was in some ways almost a remake in that it has a much different system in terms of how you navigate the world. The gameplay is largely the same with social links and combat. However, they added some updates in terms of combat, uh, making it a little bit smoother, and most, uh, uh, as most people would say, uh, along with adding a female main character to choose for players who are coming back to the game to have something extra and different to experience. Uh, Persona 3 Portable also is getting a re-release next year on, I'm not going to name them all, but basically every modern console you can think of, it's getting a re-release on. Uh, so before before then, it was PlayStation only, so now it's going to be yes. Switch, Steam, Xbox, all the major, Swi- all the major Switch, consoles. Switch, Steam, Xbox, again. PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5. Uh, yeah. Like I said, if if you own something, you can probably play it. Yeah. Uh, and that is why we chose to cover Persona 3 Portable for other reasons, too, that we'll get to. But we chose to cover Persona 3 Portable since this game is going to be the re-release and does appear to be the definitive edition in the eyes of Atlas. In the eyes of Alex as well. I'm hoping that they'll make some changes that we'll get into later. We will um, get into that. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about how we first experienced this game. Let's start with you, Sean. Sure, yeah. Uh, Alex and John, I think, are coming into this with a lot more background. Uh, this was my first time playing Persona 3. It was my first time playing a Persona game. It was my first time really playing an RPG by Atlas. You know, they make the Shin Megami Tensei games as well. I've never played any of these before. So coming into this, I didn't know a whole lot. I do remember in college having a, a friend down the hall who played Persona 3, and I remember watching him play and being intrigued by it. So I was looking forward to playing it. But really, the closest thing I had ever played before was Fire Emblem Three Houses, which I enjoyed a lot. So um, I was definitely looking forward to giving this game a try and and seeing what all of the hype is. Because at least it's my understanding, correct, this is the one that kind of started it. There were games before Persona 3, but I think this is the one that codified what everybody loves today. Yep. Yeah. That's 100% accurate. I was going to get into that with my experience, so... Uh, All right, well, um, just to set things a little bit differently, uh, I played the game in 2008 because we had to wait for two years to get it in the EU, uh, which is kind of the norm back then. Like other games, like uh, Final Fantasy games, were always that far behind. So you would see pictures in magazines and stuff, and you're like, oh, that looks amazing. I will have to wait two years to play that. Uh, and so was the case in Persona 3. We, uh, I, I really was looking forward to the visual novel uh, sort of stylings that the game has. 
Um, the game is like a, a turn-based dungeon crawling RPG, uh, but it also has a lot of visual novel elements too, which we hadn't really seen very much in the West. Uh, and I, I had actually played a couple of those uh, fan-translated games uh, of visual novels, and uh, I was very much looking forward to playing it. Uh, and I played it day one uh, in the UK. So uh, 2008 is when I played it. And as we came to discover, I hadn't actually completed the game. I got so far and then got frustrated and quit. So, yeah. Alex, how was that for you? So I originally played Persona 3 FES, and I believe I got it for Christmas of 2008. Uh, and I, I didn't actually play it immediately. I think I didn't play it until like six months later. It went right on the backlog. Uh, as soon as I started playing it, though, I fell in love. Uh, I beat it, and it was probably at the time one of the hardest games I played. It was the first Atlas game I ever played, but it made me fall in love with like the series. Like I, from there, I went and played Persona Four and Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne and. I played Shin Megami Tensei 1. I've played so many Atlas Shin Megami games at this point that uh, I, I, I've really fallen in love with the series. Going back to play, and then I, I played Persona 3. I beat it then. I went back several years later and did like max social links and beat it again. And this is my first time playing it. Not my first time playing in the PlayStation Portable because I've played it before, but I've never gotten really that far. I just kind of played it to see what it was like. This is my first time sitting down and doing a full playthrough of the portable version uh, through the female main character route. Yeah. And I I am the host here that beat the game. Uh, it has no coincidence that I'm a stay-at-home dad, too, and my two co-hosts work. There's no coincidence there that I No, no, none at all. No, no. no. Mm. Uh, it was, I can say, I learned a lot, and I have a much better perspective on the series i would say okay and i was really able to appreciate some of the differences that we'll get into more as we go on yeah i um i, I think this is a good point to oh sorry alex i'm oh, sorry i was going to tag on to because I, I meant to do this kind of more in the opening persona 3 though for atlas was kind of their final fantasy 7 in a lot of ways and that persona 3 was the rpg that kind of for a minute there everyone wanted to have everyone wanted to play and you see that a lot more now with the popularity of persona 4 golden which is on steam now and i mean it it's really it's really popular persona 5 yeah. which if you if you google like top rpgs of all time lists you're finding persona 5 on there probably somewhere on virtually every website you go to um so i think but i think we're gonna have a lot of interesting discussion looking at kind of where the modern series started because yeah. we don't really talk about Persona 1 and 2 all that much in our we'll RPG get into that, communities. Because I recently played Persona 1, and uh, I, have some, I have some <laughs> views on that particular game. So we'll get into those in a moment. But for now, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk about what is great on Persona 3 Portable right after this. And 
we're back. We are talking about Persona 3 Portable, and we are going to be talking about what is great about this classic RPG. Uh, Sean, we'd like to hear from you first, please, what you found excellent about this game. Sure. Um, so I'll talk about the non-combat. I guess, how would you describe it? I guess it's the day cycle and the night cycle. So let's talk about the day yeah. cycle first, because like the day cycle primary loop in this game it's like crack. I get why so many people say that Persona 3 is like, it's why people copy this game. Uh, this day part activities loop. Um, in XCOM, we said that you always want to do just one more, but it's never, for me at least, been as bad as it was in Persona 3. Like, the days are so short, and so it's really easy to just you play another day. And Persona's really devious. The save the save function doesn't happen at the start of the day. It doesn't happen at the end of the day. It happens in the middle of the day. So, like, you finish a day, and then you can't save. You've got to wait till the next morning. And yep. then it, you get to the afternoon. And then it's like, well, I could save and quit. Or I could just play another day, because like, I'm already halfway through the day anyway. And so, I mean, you know, it was very much a game of, oh, look at my watch. It's now past midnight. And I'm talking in the real world, like here at, at home yeah. for me, it's past midnight. I should have gone to bed an hour ago, but I just kept playing. And, you know, you play a month at a time. And it's just, it's, it's crazy how effective the game is at sucking you into just play day after day after day. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Well, uh, so one of, one of the things I, I, I mentioned in the last segment, actually, I played Persona 1 recently. Uh, and having done that and then coming back to Persona 3, it makes me appreciate pretty much everything that it does a whole lot more. It's um, it's a huge departure from the previous series and, and the things that it does. I think we mentioned it in the first segment. It's a dungeon-crawling RPG game by night, as Sean said, and then by day you're doing visual novel, uh, basically a visual novel game. Um, like I said as well, I played a bunch of visual novel games uh, before this one, and... Visual novel games in the past have kind of been one note. They, they have like a lot of the things that Persona 3 does, and it does it really well. The social links uh, and basically people playing through like a high school setting. Um, but most other visual novel games to that point kind of left it there. That was the only thing that you did. There may have been slight mechanics changes with some of the things that you did. But Persona 3 was the first one that I played that had like... It, it's a, it is a hybrid game. Like you, you're having a full dungeon crawl rpg experience on the one half and the visual novel experience in the other and a lot of the visual novel games i played before then didn't have anything else to fall back on you were literally just doing what would be the day cycle over and over again which towards the end of the game would kind of be a little bit boring by that point but of course that's not all there is to persona 3 um at night you have to take your c's members because you're the a member of the um What's it called again? It's the, uh, let me get it right, the Specialized Extracurricular Execution Squad. Uh, and you're the, the leader of that, and you have to take your members into Tartarus, the Tartarus Tower, to explore what happens during the Dark Hour, which uh, is an extra hour that happens in the day. Um, between 12 and 1, uh, or 12 midnight. Um, and uh, I... I, I really like this game. It's so much better than the other Persona games. They they took out a bunch of stuff that, to me, was kind of lacking from the, the original Persona games, uh, which is the uh, negotiation stuff, uh, where you got to talk to demons in the, the dungeon crawling sections. Uh, they were always kind of clunky. You, you were never certain about what it was you were trying to do. 
Um, and in this game, they replaced that with the, the the social links, which you're given some choices, and they're really they're really interesting stories. Uh, if you're of the younger age that the main characters t- uh, taking place in, um, you would. I, I think I, I particularly I really enjoyed those when I was let's see how how old would I have been back then I would have been twenty something. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed those back then. I would imagine anyone of that age would have really liked them. Um, it does them so particularly well. Like there's all kinds of things I could go on with, but I'm I, I feel like we should move on to Alex. Alex, say something else. I've been looking forward to my turn here. Yeah. So. What I want to remind uh, people listening and my co-hosts, because I believe you both played this on a computer, correct? Yeah, but yes. obviously, so I played not originally. it. I played it. I played it on a portable Android device, and I think Persona Three Portable really lends itself to being a portable like game, like a game you're playing when you're waiting on the bus or you're waiting for a class to start or something like that. Because as Sean was saying, it's really easy just to do one more day, or if you're in Tartarus, one more floor, because you can do it in like a few minutes. And that's where you start getting that very repetitive gameplay loop, like very engaging gameplay loop, uh, and something that you know keeps you coming back for more. Uh, I think what, what you got to remember too with the PSP is if you played this on the original PSP, you could just put it to sleep and start back exactly where you were. So yeah. you weren't you didn't even have to save necessarily. You could just pause it at any point. I think what hits me and what struck me most coming back to it is as I'm sure people on our Discord are well aware of, I am big on gameplay and story influencing one another. And I feel like Persona 3 is an excellent example of that. When I don't have two separate aspects of the game. It's not the visual novel and the Tartarus dungeon exploring. It's I want to do the visual novel social link part because it makes me stronger for the dungeon crawler RPG part. Yeah. So these things are connected and they're, I can see it. I can feel it with every extra day I do building up my social links it gets a little bit easier doing the dungeon crawling Tartarus portion of the game. So, and, Alex, do you want to explain what the social links do then for anyone who hasn't played Persona 3? Sure. So, think uh, this is how I, I've explained it to certainly my wife, uh, but several people is that ima- if almost everyone's familiar with Pokemon, imagine doing the social, imagine we had social links, imagine we could have like a boyfriend or girlfriend in Pokemon. And spending time with that boyfriend or girlfriend would make one type of Pokemon stronger, make your fire Pokemon stronger, make your water Pokemon stronger. And that's how it is. Every persona has an arcana that they fit to out of the tarot, out of like a thing that they pulled it from uh, so tarot cards. And every social link has an accompanying arcana. And as you build up that arcana, you build up that social link, those personas get stronger when you fuse them together. And we haven't really talked about that. No, so the was, way you, jump in. Yeah. the way you get personas in this game is after battle, you'll get like a roulette thing. It's pretty. It's pretty simple. It's pretty easy it's very to simple navigate. And it's one of the best things about it compared to the other games. Yeah. Can I ask real quick because I, I've, yeah. I've watched you play Persona One, John, and I think it's interesting yeah. you mentioned Pokemon earlier, John. 
Alex, I feel Alex. like Pokemon must have learned a lot from Persona. What I thought of when I watched you play Persona 1 was the Safari Zone from Pokemon. Because in the Safari Zone in Pokemon, instead of fighting, you just throw rocks, rocks. throw bait, try to yep. adjust to the mood of the Pokemon and hope they don't run mm -hmm. away. What I'm hearing is essentially the worst part of Pokemon was inspired by the entire gameplay loop of Persona 1. Does that feel accurate? Yeah, to, to quickly go along with what the, the other Persona games were before Persona 3, you in all the Persona games, you summon... Uh, demons or other aspects of yourself to fight for you uh, and in persona one and the two persona games you have to get new personas you have to try and negotiate with demons that you meet in the dungeon but the problem with that was that the systems that they used were always really sort of vague um, and they can sometimes be quite random the things that would work one time won't work again the next time and it just it's quite frustrating and for for a long game where like the majority of the time you're in a dungeon which can be a frustrating experience to then try and grind to get stronger also being a frustrating experience it just compounds it persona 3 got around that by just having shuffle time which is basically just the cards would appear at the end of the battle they would swing around and if you timed your uh, button press correctly or they shuffled the way that you you could follow, you would get the card you wanted, which and could be a new persona. I, personally, my co-hosts could speak up; they disagree, but uh, it's not that hard to get the persona you want. It, like, it the really is. Time is not no. a difficult aspect of the game. Uh, and then, what well, what's interesting though is you fuse the personas together to get a brand new one, and it'll have skills pulled from the two you fuse together. Yeah. In uh, speaking of a uh, Pokemon. Sean, technically, so the negotiation, getting demons on your side or monsters on your side, Shin Megami Tensei, which is where that that originally started from, predates Pokemon, actually. Right. Like, no, that's what I yeah. said. I think, per, I yeah. think Pokemon's yeah. being inspired by Persona, not the other way around. Yeah, yeah. I could see that, definitely. Um, yeah. Well, shit, it gets really complicated. Technically, Persona came out after Pokemon. Megami Tensei came out before Pokemon. And then, because Sandlight Persona is a spinoff of Shin Megami Tensei, it gets really complicated. I could write a book. I'm a lore historian expert on the Megami Tensei universe. Uh, and someday we'll get into that, I'm sure. That's the first we've heard of this, but uh, go on, carry on. Oh, no, I'm just, I'm very, <laughs> I love the game, so I'm very So nice. let's continue the conversation about complicated, because one of the things that I think was really impressive about Persona 3, and again, has never played any else in the series, this may be a consistent theme, the gameplay is complicated. Like the battle system is complicated in a good way. It's like, it's really, really deep. I've yeah. played a lot of JRPGs and usually the, the random battles are just, you, you mash the A button or if you're lucky, you do a little bit of thought for behind it. Even the strategy RPGs, right? Like, like a Final Fantasy Tactics, which is a game that I think everybody on this, on this podcast loves. The random battles aren't strictly speaking all that complicated. But I mean, in Persona 3, if you did the same thing over and over again, you, you would die. Um, and I, I did die. I managed yep. to, to have my, my team get killed because I thought, oh, it's a random battle. How hard can it possibly be? Uh, but you have to pay attention to enemy weaknesses. You have to pay attention to your own weaknesses. There's a big emphasis on using status effects to make characters skip turns, which I feel like in most games, they, they give you a status effect, but you never waste your turn with one because why would you use a status effect when you can attack instead? But in this game where movement economy or turn economy, whatever you want to call that, the ability to get extra turns or to cause enemies to lose turns is so important. 
Yep. But you can't skip that stuff. And so the game forces you to really think about all of the different abilities that you have at your disposal. And Alex mentioned it. Personas come with abilities. That's where you get all of these from is what persona you're using. So you care a lot when you're making new personas about, well, okay, this one's really good at this, but it's bad at that. And you can't have every persona do everything. And so you end up sort of creating a catalog of personas, some that are strong in some things, strong that are, some that are strong in other things. Or, you know, in my case, since I'm not very good at the game, you make a persona that's not good at anything, and then you just have to start over and create new personas, which I think the completionist would probably spend an eternity on this game because I feel like you could spend literally dozens of hours getting all this together. But yep. if that's your thing, this is the game for you. Well, there are certain things like... Uh, in some of my other playthroughs that I've done of Persona games, I've actually kept weak Persona just because I've, and through no guides or anything, I've actually made like Persona that have like all the major elements, weak versions of those elements. But I have a, uh, they cover every situation. So element weaknesses are so uh, so powerful in these games that um, it's worth having every single situation covered in in the way that the the combat mechanics work. So. If I'll, I'll I'll do a brief description, um, characters are weak to to several elements. If you hit those weak elements, they fall down and they lose their turn. That can happen for enemies, and it can happen for for teammates. And that is such a powerful thing in this game. You need to be able to do it. Um, it it's actually important that we should point out that the the base Persona game and Persona Three FES don't let you have control over your teammates. You literally control the main character, and that's it. Uh, in Persona 3 Portable, you get the option. You get the option. It's not It's not default. default. You get the option to have control of all the teammates. Apparently, so I have re- did a little bit of reading on the Persona 3 wiki. The designer, the director for the game, thought that it would be important to let the AI decide their own choices because they were based on the um, the character's that you take into the dungeon with you and their choices of the uh, the ai for for their particular character were decided by the way that those characters are you know their 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 own personas weirdly enough um but what that ended up being for, for sean who hasn't played the other games it became incredibly frustrating you could guide them as to what to do but it kind of forces the main character into being a healer uh, and always having those healing abilities on standby, just because your other teammates would get their weaknesses ta- attacked and they would fall down, and you would basically have to babysit them the entire time because you couldn't rely on them to do the same for you. It's it was really frustrating and is definitely the the biggest plus about Persona Three Portable. There, I won't get too into the weeds about it, but the battle system as a whole, there are lots of little tiny improvements that I yeah. can say as someone who's played through this game three times, and this is a very long, in-depth game, it makes a world of difference. Because I would say, play, if you've never played an Atlas game like Sean, Sean hasn't, like even playing on easy, is it's still a hard game. It's harder than a lot of other turn-based RPGs, I would say. And Definitely. Uh, this the Persona 3 uses a variation of something called the press turn system that was uh, a hallmark of 2000 era Atlas RPGs. And that basically means that if you hit an enemy's weakness or you do a critical attack, you get an extra turn. In the PS2 versions of the game, 
if that now that goes for enemies too if enemies hit your weakness or get a crit they all they get an extra turn in the ps2 version though not only did the enemy get an extra turn you lost an extra turn so in turn of turn economy or however you want to phrase it the enemy's getting a plus two and you get a plus two too but it it was a lot more lopsided it was a lot more back and forth it just felt really unfair um there, there were certain flaws if you didn't if if you would come across like a certain enemy there were certain like gate posts yeah. along the way where certain enemies would be strong against like um your main character or well uh, an end game and there are parts of the end game where it's like oh here's this enemy who's completely immune to magic yeah and you know if you pat if you if you didn't pack any strong physical characters into your party or have a physically strong persona go ahead true. try again like reload yeah. like you're just out of luck um, but, but Persona 3 Portable kind of gets around a lot of that by giving you full control over the, the characters it, as well. And it does. It, I, what, I, yeah. what I was going to add on is in the original PS2 games, I never really worried about that part, my party that much. Uh, it got here where I was like, wait, I like these three characters like who have these three the, the things they're strong at. I'm going to stick with these three because I can control them and I can do exactly what I need them to do. And now I don't need to worry about my main character doing these. It was buffing, debuffing, and healing. So I got Yukari, my healer, Akihiko, my buffer, and Igis, a character y'all didn't get, uh, my debuffer. And that's how I rolled through the end of the game, or through like, mid, like midway to the rest of the game. It was great. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else anyone would like to say for in four of the game? I what I would like to add on is that if you play if you played the PSP version in 2010 or 2009 came out in Japan 2009 you were getting a lot of game a whole lot of game a very in-depth game for you know the co- in one package and at the time there weren't really RPGs that did what this game did. And so for that, I feel like it's worth mentioning that this was somewhat revolutionary of marrying two different gameplay elements relatively yeah. seamlessly. It's just a shame it came out on the PSP. Uh... <laughs> All right. Well, uh, unless there's anything else oh, anyone no. wants to, to say, uh, we shall move on to what we thought was frustrating or straight up bad about Persona 3 right after this. And we are back. We are still talking about Persona 3 Portable. And this section of the podcast is dedicated to what we found frustrating about Persona 3. Uh, And I have the least amount to say, so I'm going to start. I think Persona 3 and Persona 3 Portable uh, is no different in this. Um, There are definitely parts of the visual novel part of the game where there are too many choices. There are guides on the internet that tell you how to make a perfect run and get all of your social links sorted out and make every day as uh, efficient as possible. But for those of us who don't like to be spoiled on and, and have the appearance of some form of free will, Persona 3 has way too many choices in the visual novel part of it. There, there, are, there are sections where you just have choice paralysis as to what to do or what you feel is the best choice for any given day. 
And unfortunately, that kind of can be a turnoff on one half of the game and the gameplay. Um, I feel like that that's it's it depends on the person. Obviously, there there are definitely times when I played the game and I was just like kind of like, well, what do I do? I've got like seventeen things I could do today to increase my my players like academics or charm or any of the things that the game takes, you know, uh, things are important. But um, I definitely managed to, to get through those sections without thinking too badly about my choices. But I am one of these people that kind of, you know, uh, doesn't forget things that can be potentially negative or a mistake. I, I am one of these people that, that kind of dwells on mistakes. So it can be an issue for me. Um, it's funny the, uh, the game that i think of the comparison that is my all-time favorite game which is stardew valley the idea of being overwhelmed with options yeah uh, and i agree with you. you the first time that you play and i felt this with persona 3 it's like what am i supposed to do today it's monday afternoon and there's five different clubs and they all want me to come and hang out with them but i will say like since i, I didn't get through this game right i really only got about 20 percent of the way through the game the nice thing is that i, I knew that i had a lot of time so at least for me, it's like you just kind of have to you have to let go and figure out that the developers made this game super, super long so that there'd be time to get through all of it. That didn't yeah. stop me from hating it when one of the guys, what's what's the, the guy with the baseball cap who's always June asked, asked June June he's always asking yeah. to hang out and yep. you hang out for a whole afternoon. You don't get a new social link and it's like, well, man, I wasted an afternoon. Yeah. So those kinds of things still get to you. But, you mean you don't um, go up a level in it, right? Yes. You don't, yeah. Yeah. It's a visual progression. Right. You are slightly better friends now. No. Like it, that always feels like I'm sure you you're feel supposed your relationship to will be will become stronger soon. Right. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's definitely a mindset thing, because as I think about a Stardew Valley, the first time I played it being terribly, terribly stressed. And then yep. I've played through it probably four or five times now. And Same. each time it's like, OK, well, I know what I'm going to do this time. And if, so I'm sure for Alex, as an example, that stress level is a whole lot lower uh, on repeat playthroughs. I definitely had that stress level like the first time I played. Now I just realized, and this is true of just me playing the series, really, that's just the game. Like, and you do, you have lots of time. Like, I, I finished this game and I maxed out all of my social links, which means I got from level one to 10, I got all, all of the max arcs over two. And I didn't follow a guide or anything like that. I just played what I thought and did what I thought was best. Uh, what I think is hard about this game and what I, I I think if I'm gonna really knock it is that Persona 4 and 5 just made the gameplay so much smoother. Yep. And so much more just friendly to newcomers. Mm -hmm. And that coming back to this, it took me it took me a second to get used to it. And I mean, I, I came into it with knowledge of the game and the mechanics and the little, you know, uh, incongruity incongruities compared to other that, yep, persona games that it took me a second to adjust. That said, I did really enjoy my time with this and uh, it's hard for me to come up with specific negatives that aren't just comparing it to later games in the series. Yeah, it's kind of uh, hard to just standalone things that you don't dislike what, because you know they've say, been addressed. What I would say, and this will hopefully pave a way for Sean to let us know his thoughts on this, is that 
this game may not be for everyone because there, for instance, uh, we have talked frequently uh, personally that I don't really enjoy bullet hell games, which makes a game like Undertale kind of hard for me to get into. If you don't really enjoy visual novel aspects of a game, or if you don't really like, you know, super difficult, like intricate RPGs or dungeon crawlers, this might not be a game for you. So that's why I'd say this game may not appeal to everyone. Because yeah. also, talking about analysis paralysis, uh, there are some people who look at a 100-hour RPG and go, oh my goodness, no way. Like, I can never, like, give me, give me you know, a nice, short, sweet, you know, Final Fantasy X, something like that, something that's kind of short, sweet, and easy, versus something like this, where it's like, man, this is a daunting task. So... Well, what I would say to that is, though, the games before that are so much harder than this. Oh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I just want to be clear here. Yeah. Persona 3, Persona 3 is possibly one of the hardest Atlas games I've played. Like, when I got Persona 3 on the PlayStation 2, that's probably one of the hardest Atlas games. And it's still a lot easier in Persona 1 and 2, probably. Yeah. So maybe I just need to play Personas 4 and 5, because... I think I hated this game. Uh, I know that I've been I've been avoiding saying anything negative up to this point, but I played 15 hours of the game, and every hour that I played, I liked it less. And it's fascinating. I had to think really hard about why I didn't like it, because on the surface, it's got everything I'd want in a game. It's got interesting characters. It's got deep combat. It's got a really compelling gameplay loop. But yeah, I, I had to give it a lot of thought, and I think I can start to articulate it. So I will say... 15 hours is only about 20% of the way through the game. So things may change later in the game. But my response to that would be, if your game gets better after the 15 hour mark, you've messed up your game. And Final Fantasy 13 is famous for this too. Final Fantasy 13, which I have not played, famously gets better 20 hours in. And the response is always, why did you I don't think it's 20 it? hours. I think it's actually 40. Yeah, uh, okay, I've, heard, so, I've heard like 40 or 50, like end game apparently is fun. Any game yeah. where you can play, <laughs> like, you know, because I played this in sittings. Uh, I played it, you know, three hours at a time. I, I'd take an evening, um, you know, a couple of nights a week to play through this. Like, I should not be able to get through multiple evening sessions and still haven't gotten to where the game gets. And I, and I don't think that's really true with Persona 3. I think I've got the pretty much the core of the gameplay. You do. But... So what I'm going to do is I've got a laundry list and I don't want to bore our listeners with just me dumping on it. So I'm going to talk. I'm going to I'm going to give Alex and John a chance to respond and let's let's have some dialogue here. Let's start with mediating this. Yeah, let's start with the day place day, day sections, because I said earlier, I think the primary loop is like crack. And the more I think about it, the more I think that it's an apt comparison because every single day, the high of finishing it was less and less. And by the time I stopped playing it. I was doing it out of compulsion and I wasn't enjoying it at all, which I've, I've never used a lot of hard drugs, but you know, that is sort of the, the, the stereotype is that it becomes an addiction, not something that you enjoy. That's really how I felt about the day loops here in Persona 3. And it, it just, it comes down to a lack of interactivity. So you have all of these activities throughout the day. You can go to the coffee shop to take a, to drink a cup of coffee or work. You can go play at the arcade. You can study before bed. All of those activities amount to a single text box, a note that your stats have gone up, and then a tick forward on the day. And that's yep. it. You're not doing anything. And when that's nope. all you do day after day after day, because this, I mean, this game has how many hundreds of days between the beginning and the end? Like You're going through this cycle 300 times. 
it's mind numbing. And you know, the one exception is the classroom activities, which I think are actually pretty fun. Like I say they're fun. All you're doing is taking tests or answering multiple choice questions, but, but I mean, at least you're doing something. I, I absolutely could not get past a, a primary gameplay loop that is just clicking on boxes. It, it's the Oregon trail, but instead of being 30 minutes, it's 60 hours. And I, I just couldn't do it. So I think to, to, to say to, towards that, um, do you remember me saying that other visual novel games are kind of one note? That's the note that they have. And that, can you see now why like Persona 3 was kind of a revolution for that kind of gameplay? Because the thing that you're finding boring was all those games took place in. Um, I think the way that Persona 3 kind of tries to get around that is by storytelling. I feel like the storytelling in Persona 3 is good, uh, if not very good. And the characters that you find in the teachers who are supposed to be stuck-up sort of people, they are wacky characters. All of them are wacky characters. I, I feel like in the later Persona games, they're slightly less wacky. But I, I feel like the Persona th- uh, 4 and Persona 5 they kind of skew towards more, um, maybe a slightly older audience. They cover some some more uh, older uh, topics rather than Persona Three, which more is kind of themes. Yeah, um, not to say the they... other ones don't, but this one definitely does more. Yeah. Um, uh, go on, Alex. I was going to say. So while I feel what Sean said isn't incorrect, I feel like it's a little bit minimalistic, just because. At the beginning of the game, your focus is really on building social links, especially during the day. I mean, that's pretty much what you're doing exclusively. Now, you may, you know, hang out with your friend Junpei, or you may do this or that. But if you hang out with your friend Junpei and get a social link rank up on Monday, then hang out on Tuesday, and it's just you hanging out and you get a little bit of experience on that social link and it builds up. On Wednesday, you're going to build it up again and get your next link in it. And that's kind of what the game wants you to do. That's what it's pushing you to do. And I enjoyed the little stories that you get with the social links. You know, I, I, I like it's kind of slice of life, almost anime feel. And yep. that, that's enjoyable. That's fun to me. It's almost like a, I, I always talk, I love the show King of the Hill. And that's kind of what it feels like. It's like a small episode of King of the Hill that I'm, you know, I'm hanging out with my buddy and this is happening or we're talking about this problem that he's having or there's some part of this incident, I, you know, is, is it for everyone? I kind of touched on that. No. Do I enjoy hearing little wacky stories about my friends getting into mischief? Yeah, kind of. It's fun. Like, I really enjoyed the clinic girl. Like, that's a fun little cute, the hermit. John didn't experience it, but you may have. I love that socialing. That, uh, I thought it was really engaging. Yeah, I, I will say I, I need to give the appropriate amount of, of comparison, but this gets into my next point. You're right. The relationships are definitely not just click a button. There is actually some interactivity. You know, you can choose to answer questions of the other person and they will react in slightly different ways. You can progress the relationships faster or slower. If, if you, you answer it correctly. Yeah. But I yeah. have to say, I, I, maybe I didn't get far enough in the game. It feels like the only way to actually not progress the relationship is to have no relationship skills because the option that you would have to choose is generally obviously the wrong one, but that's okay. That, that's fine. <laughs> but you, you used a word a moment ago that caught my attention. You said, we like to hang out. And I had a very different experience. My experience was that the other person hangs out and you just kind of sit there as a camera. 
And this, so this was the other problem that I had with, with this game. And th this may just be a visual novel thing, but I've never played a game where the entirety of the game is just people talking at you. Not talking, I mean, there's a little bit of talking to each other. The, the one time that things I think kind of take a step up is the full moon nights, because in the full moon nights, everyone's talking to each other. But day to day, it's you walk into a room and somebody talks to you and then you leave. Then you go to another room and somebody talks to you and you leave. And then you just, you go from room to room as pe and people talk at you. And even the social link relationships, I, I completely agree. The, the way that they develop these personalities of these people is interesting. And, you know, even the obnoxious person of Junpei, who's just, he's kind of your, your typical high school boy. He's not really your typical high school boy. As, as you grow their social link, you do learn a lot about him. You learn about why he is the way that he is and how did he get this way. So I don't want to discount that those, that relationship building happens. But it's completely one-sided, and therefore it's thoroughly, what's the word I'm looking for? Unsatisfying, I guess, or unfulfilling, because your character doesn't react, and there's no, like, it's not relationship building. Like, it's almost like you're reading the pages of a book about these characters, because, the, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how else to say it, but, like, it's just... I've never played a game where there's there's no interaction of people. Usually with a silent lone protagonist in another RPG, okay, the silent protagonist doesn't talk, but the characters talk to each other and the relationship building happens with one another. You know, a great example of that would be Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger is sort of your quintessential JRPG with a silent protagonist. Like the characters aren't great because of how they interact with the main character. They're great because of how they interact with each other. And you don't get a lot of that in this game. And so, yes, there were clearly parts about it that were that were better, but I, I, I stopped caring because it's, it's hard to care about a character who, you know, is, is kind of just word vomiting at you, their life story every single time they talk to you. But the, there's a couple of things I want to touch on there, because for one, in Persona 3, there's a story reason for why the main character is like that, that you don't get too much later on. Am I, am I right in saying that, Alex? Uh you should just spoil it and tell me what you're thinking, because I'm not quite picking up on what you're laying down. Well, your main character is basically depressed. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, sort of. Your character is kind of... He's kind of, dis he's disconnected from, from that, reality. That's also, you... Players have interpreted that. There, yeah. At no point is there a text box saying, your character doesn't talk a lot because they're depressed. Right, uh, maybe I'm just depressed then. Players, just have, players have interpreted... Well, I'm not saying that... That's up to interpretation. I'm telling yeah. you, a lot of the audience has interpreted that. And you're not necessarily wrong for interpreting it that way. In my but the game opinion. doesn't directly tell you. But the game's not like, oh, yeah, that's why your MC doesn't talk a lot. Like, it doesn't, yeah. you know, it doesn't spell it out for you. So in this game, that that's one of the reasons why he's kind of disconnected. Uh, or she, in our case. Uh, of course, yes. I, pick, I picked a male protagonist. Um, what I will say is Personas 4 and 5 are that to a lesser degree, but it's still that. Uh, there are more cases of the other characters talking to each other and interacting, but for the most part, the the one-on-one -on -one interactions that you have with with other characters are still kind of that, where that they they kind of word vomit to you, and you make like one or two choices. But to go to Sean's point, and I'm not trying to get on the bandwagon of saying, oh well, the other games are much better, but the other games do do a much better job of like. A, having your character have some character to them. They do. Uh, and your 
party members interacting with one another, not just word vomiting at you. Well, I would but, say yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That they, they do do that, but it's um, it's it's, it's a lesser degree. Yeah, it's better. But I'm it. saying it's better in other. It's better in the later games. Yeah. And what I would like to point out to Sean is that you're not wrong. What I would like to point out to you and our viewers is that it's ten times worse if you play the male characters route. Uh, the female character route, they tried to fix it, and they did a good job. It's actually oh, okay. a lot more engaging because. And Sean still hated it. <laughs> this is my expert. This is my expertise coming out. So <laughs> in the male characters route, you don't have any social links with your male party members. So Junpei doesn't get a social link in the male no, character route. Akihiko yep. doesn't get a uh, social link. Nope. And the female character route, Junpei and Akihiko do. So you do actually get some engagement with them. Uh, so it's actually better in the female route and the route you played. So if you played the male route, it would be even worse. Right. Excellent. But I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, no, I, I think I think that's a very... I, that's also an aspect of visual novels and that visual, even most visual novel games are even more passive than in Persona 3 a lot of the, in a lot very of ways. Very much so. Yeah. I think that the peer that is, that is comparable is, is the Fire Emblem games because in the Fire Emblem games, the same weird characters talk to the, near, the main character happens a lot, especially in Three Houses where the main character is a playable combat character. But you've also got supports where the two party members that are not your main character talk to each other. And so I think it's a, it's a balancing act. of It's really just both, right? So if I think about all, all I, I think I wanted from Persona 3 was more of the characters talking to each other. And then it just it balances out the the fact that you're being kind of talked at because there are plenty of games where they do that and and I like those games. It's never my favorite part of the game, but that's okay. I think in Persona Three, at least for me, it was sort of all of the game at least during the day. And we haven't even talked about the nighttime sections, which comes with its all whole <laughs> own uh, problems. You didn't have any problems with those the, that part, right? No, um, it's easy, right? <laughs> So I, I'm convinced that Tartarus was designed by a madman who is intent on torturing the player. Yep. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit out, or, out of order here, but uh, you know, what I think about the most from the nighttime sections is that you're encouraged to play it in long stretches. So, like, I think I think if I were to, to to say what would make this a different experience, it would be mixing up things a little bit more. But generally, the gameplay style is you play the several day cycles. And then you go to Tartars for an hour or an hour and a half. Then you play several day cycles. Then you go to Tartars for an hour and an hour and a half. The, the continuous climbing of levels. Do you remember in our Final Fantasy VII episode, there's a staircase that goes on for ages and it's a joke because you're climbing yep. these stairs for an eternity. Yeah, that's just the Persona 3 experience in Tartarus of <laughs> climbing an infinite number of staircases. And I, I thought I was going crazy. I mean, and, and maybe that's the intention, but it's not a good experience. Um, the NPCs make the same comments on every single floor. They're like, oh, I don't know what's going on. You better go up another floor and I'll see if I can figure it out for you. And yeah, I, I, I went crazy. And I, I think that it's, 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 it's such a lengthy period of time. And this may be, again, this is the dungeon crawler experience. So I'm not in any hurry to try a dungeon crawler game. But I think I went through 400 random encounters in the 15 hours that I played. That's a pretty large number, kind of an inexcusable number of random encounters for a game. And when you combine high random encounter rates, which for those who have been listening since the Sweet Home episode, you may recall, I am not a fan of high encounter rates. Uh, that plus infinite floors of samey tower sections. Um, 
unfortunately the the great gameplay because i do think the gameplay and the battles are great uh it wore me down it wore me down to the nub and kept grinding and i, I, I look like i look like i've got shell shock here because that's kind of i think back to those experiences and i think ah. shell shock is apt I'm sorry, I'm going to have to push back a little bit. Uh, I beat this game, and I don't think I had 400 random encounters. Uh, so there's not really a high encounter rate because you can choose the encounters. The en- it's like Chrono Trigger in that the enemies are on screen. You can just avoid them. That's true. So if, for those who have not played the game, I would estimate that there are about 10 random encounters available per floor. So if you choose to skip all of those, that's fine. But I got my 400 from, I think I got to about floor 50. So you take out the floors where there's no encounters. I, w- I would estimate it's about 400 random encounters. And a- Alex is absolutely right. If you don't want to collect personas, if you're not worried about your characters being underleveled, then by all means, skip all the random battles. As a new player who was already finding the battles challenging, even when I was doing all of them, there was no way that I was going to skip any random battles because it was hard enough without trying to skip them and making it harder on myself now okay i see that i see i understand more now thank you yeah any game with a lot of random encounters deals with this when it when it comes to player choice of if you're designing a game where you have lots of random encounters but they can technically all be skipped how does the player know that how does the player know like this is the number of random encounters that i can skip ideally you should be giving them the exact number of random encounters that gets them through the game without ever needing to grind. And, and I certainly never grinded. I, I goodness, no, I didn't do extra random encounters. But yeah, I, I, I guess maybe you're right. Maybe I could have done fewer of them, but I couldn't tell what was the right number. And because the gameplay is challenging, and again, that's, that's to the game's credit. I am not complaining about the difficulty at all. I yeah. really, really enjoyed it, but it made me afraid to skip any of them. And so I just, I ended up with probably far more random encounters than I should have, I... and it wore me down. I also want to push back. There aren't an infinite number of floors. There are only 264 floors, Sean. Only. Okay, only only, only 264. <laughs> um, now, I... So this is where it's almost impossible for me to put myself in the position of not knowing how these games are played because I have been inundated. You know, I played Shin Megami Tensei Five. you know, last year and early this year. Uh, you know, I, I've been on these games so long and they play, you know, they're similar, uh, elements to each game that you just kind of learn the system because it's a very unique RPG system. It's a very, you know, it's not traditional Final Fantasy gameplay. It's very much its own thing. It's, it's very much its own thing, but similar between the games. It's, oh yeah. So, so it's an Atlas style, I would say yeah. almost. Uh, and yeah, you know, you're leveling up, doing random encounters. That's not going to do anything. The game rewards, the game rewards playing well and exploiting weaknesses it, exponentially it, more than grinding and getting levels. Like that's not yeah. that's not going to do anything. Well, it, um, it does do a little bit. It, it does, it does make a little impossible bit, encounters possible. Mainly, but your main benefit to leveling up is being able to Strategy. get higher, getting be able to get higher level personas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, having, and, a, having a game plan is infinitely more important, and that's where. But I'm I'm well aware that for a new player, yep, there's no way they're really you know that's very that it's going to take you a long time to figure that out and to really learn that. 
And that's where, if you're not interested in the story, I can very much understand how there's not a lot keeping you. Because if the gameplay is very frustrating and the story's not something you're that interested in, then why are you playing the game? And that is so, the last thing that I will say is that you had mentioned earlier the gameplay feedback loop. It's very one direction. The day cycle feedbacks the night cycle. The night cycle really doesn't feed the day cycle. There's no story in Tartarus. It's really, except for on the full moon nights and except on the boss floors, there's no story. And if there was more story, I don't even know how you would do that, but if there was story in the Tartarus floor of floor that sort of impacted the day cycles, that probably would go a long way as well. Because ultimately, you're doing the stuff at the day to make the night stuff better. But unlike a game like XCOM, it doesn't feed back. And so to me, that's just, there's, there's just something missing there. I would like to say that the other games, Persona 4 and 5, I know we've spoken to, the, to them quite a lot, but they are relevant because they, they've obviously learned from the lessons that Sean's bringing forward. Um, the Persona 3, one of the, one of the things that it goes for is that things happen on full moon. The games that come after this are not restricted to any time frame. They are to a time frame for failure states, but success states are not... So if you if you wanted to, you could get through an entire section in like one or two nights in, in the dungeon crawling sections in Persona 4 and 5. Uh, and that obviously feeds into the, the story element because you're, you're hitting those things much quicker, uh, leaving you more time to, to play with the, with the visual novel uh, elements of the game. What I will say as well is that um, in Persona 3 base game, uh, you couldn't restore your SP, your HP, uh, like you can in Persona 3 Portable as well. Because uh, you were saying before, like um, you're you're going through these these sections, and you can you can return to the, to your base level, and you can restore that. You can't do that in the in the base game. So there were definitely points yeah, where like. Can. Is it always been there? And Persona and PlayStation Two is actually easier in the PlayStation Two Persona Three games. When you so, slight tangent about Tartarus, so Tartarus is really frustrating. Part of it is because yeah. you rely on your SP, that's your MP, that's where you cast all your spells from. If you run out of that, you basically ran out of your ability to heal. Yeah. In the PS2 games, you go back to the first floor and heal for free. Period. Nothing. No. No. No issue. No trouble. In the PSP version, you have to pay for it, though. Nominally, I messed that up. I thought I thought you couldn't do that in the in the PS2. Ver now in Persona Four, they changed that and it became a lot harder. But in Persona Three, you could heal up there. It is a nominal fee. You're right, but it's still it's not that than, much. It, yeah, it's not. It's better than when it was for free. That it gets really unbalanced for free. What was well, frustrating? Kind of four then. What Sorry, was frustrating in Persona 3 in the PlayStation 2 is that so there's a status element where if your characters are fighting for a long time, they'll get tired. In the PS2 version, if your character got tired and you're returning back to base 4, they would leave. Like, they would go back to the dorm for the night, and you couldn't... If Junpei got tired, he was gone. Like, he was done. In the okay, PSP version... Yeah, in the PSP version, you keep playing with them, and then they get tired the next day. Like, the next... You had a Tartarus... On Thursday, and all your characters are really tired, you're not going to Tartarus on Friday. Like, all your characters are beat. They're not. They're exhausted. It's a small little thing, but, um, Sean, I don't really disagree with what you're saying. I think, again, it's hard for me to put, you know, it's hard to try and think about how I would think about something if I didn't know 
you know, the key to doing it. And there is, there's very much, it's, it's knowing how to play, how, how these games are played. Uh, John and I obviously have experience there. Becoming in fresh. No, it's very frustrating. I think it's frustrating for most people. Um, that said, you know, this game was the beginning. It's clunky. It's rough. It's, you know, we compare it to Final Fantasy VII. It's almost more like Final Fantasy One in that aspect. In that, you know, you compare like a Final Fantasy One, and it's really like it's really frustrating game to play compared to later Final Fantasy games, where it's pretty smooth sailing. And that's that's what we have here. Yeah, there is one thing before we move on. Uh, I would like to ask people's opinions on the music of Persona Three because we haven't talked about it yet, and I feel like it is maybe one of the major points of the oh, Persona I like the games. Music. I, I I know, but I I forgot to re- put it in in the uh, what's good about Persona Three. Sean, as somebody who's never played a Persona game, how do you feel about the music in it? Oh, the music was very good. Um, the Tartarus music was generally um, repetitive, right? Yeah, the 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 floor. I'm sure that John will play it, but it's basically do 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 do. It's just this really yep. weird like timpani kind of thing. But the day cycle stuff, the music was very good. Um, yeah, I would say overall, uh, it was certainly not something that I felt like I needed to mute. Um, it was the, no sweet home. So um, the music I, changes I with the positive. seasons too. The music changes like on the day, yeah. the social part of it. It changes during the seasons, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. So in just to, just to bring it back to the what we found frustrating, uh, Persona One basically has some uh, music changes, but the battle elements are the same every single time. And that drove me insane playing through that game. Uh, Persona 3 is actually a whole lot better uh, for that as well. Uh, I think it's actually one of the main strengths of the game. Um, I forget. Uh, Alex, do you know who the who designs the, the music for the Persona games? Um, Lotus something. It's like Lotus Flower. It, no, the, the, the person who, who, uh, who composes the music. I forget who does it. Um, is it well, know, Shinji Meguru? Uh, I, I'll, I'm looking yes, it up Shoji right Maguro. Yes. Shoji yeah. Maguro, yeah, yeah. Uh, they I, they have been included on um, all the Persona games since since then, and I think on the first few Persona games, they were like the director for the, the whole game. Um, so they they do excellent work. Their music actually gets better, and I, I feel like Persona 4 and 5 is probably the, the peak of what they've done so far in terms of the music for the game. They're, they're super cool. I listen to some of the music uh, like outside of playing the games sometimes. So um, I will I just say like to include that because we haven't touched on it. The name you were looking for a moment ago, Alex, is Lotus, Lotus Juice. Juice. He does who, the ra- he does the rapping for the game. Right. So for those who have not played the the battle, has this very kind of out of place rap that that yeah, is done. It does. It's not bad. But it's very strange. Like it comes out of nowhere. You're like, oh, what is this? Um, yep. It's also but, the opening theme too. I think. Uh, is it? Or, yeah, I think so. I think he, he yeah. does that too. Yeah. Um, again, not not a bad thing. But it was. I was not expecting a rap in the middle of my uh, of my JRPG battle yeah. scenes. Well, I think we've hammered out what's terrible about this game. <laughs> unless Sean wants out on more. Oh no, I I, I think I've said my piece. And John. I will, what about different versions of the game? Are you we ready to talk about that? Yes, let's. After some messages, uh, some music, some excellent uh, Shoji Maguro music. music. 
Yeah, we're going to come back and we're going to discuss the differences between the various versions of Persona 3 and what we like and dislike about each of them right after this. And welcome back. We are here to to what is normally the uh, the section where we discuss what could be made better about a game. But we we have some divisive thoughts on certain sections of the Persona Three universe, and we'd like to lay them out for you today. So, um, what we're going to be talking about is the various versions of Persona Three. With that being Persona Three FES and Persona Three Portable, because there are some major diff- what I feel to be major differences between the games and uh, what makes one better than the other. It is kind of a hot topic on, on the internet because there are fans of, of one version over another. And in this particular conversation, um, myself and Alex find... Well, we did find ourselves a, a different uh, viewpoint, but I've I've come around. I've relented. I knew you would. I, sorry, I knew you would. Yeah, okay. So uh, I have not played any version except Persona 3 Portable. I'll be yeah. sitting this one out and listening bemused. But I just say for the listeners... Keep in mind, you can't play FES today unless you're going to go back and buy a PlayStation 2. You probably will never be able to play FES unless you want to go back and play a PlayStation 2. So as you're thinking about what the the merits are of one version versus the other, Portable is what you got. Portable is what we're going to get in the release next year. So We don't know um, that for certain. We don't know that for certain. Yeah, we do. We know know we're getting Portable. We know. Perhaps you're right. Uh, assume that portable will be the version going forward. No, let, it I'll is Alex the version. Why. No, it. We don't. There's a reason that it's the last one coming back. No. So, so right. Let, let's let's lay some groundwork here, right? So the reason we're doing this particular uh, podcast uh, on this timescale is because Persona Five is coming back to various uh, consoles and onto Steam. It is then being followed by Persona 4, which is being released in the first half of next year, and then Persona 3 is coming back in the latter half of next year. Um, They have said it is Persona 3 Portable. We know that they are re-releasing Persona 3 Portable. That's the version Atlas has said they are re- There's no no, doubt about it. There is, because... Alex, Alex, let me explain why I why I hope that they make some changes to Persona 3 Portable. Because in Persona 3, there are cutscenes that are not in Portable. There are cutscenes that are are changed in the way that they're shown. And those cutscenes were made by an anime studio. I think it's Point Studio. And they're excellent. And they, they set up the tone for the game. And they are not included in Persona 3 Portable because they had to fit the game onto a UMD. Sizes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's several other changes that are made in Portable that are not the way I would do it. But they were the changes they had to make to fit it on onto the, that particular format. And um, I hope that when they are not shackled by those particular shortcomings that they can add back in those cutscenes into Persona 3 Portable. 
What is stopping them? All you're doing is replacing one cutscene with another. Female main character. They would have to go back and make those same scenes again with another character in there. Not would... all those scenes have the, uh, the almost main all of them have Not the almost male. All of them. No. Which tell one? you what? T- tell me, tell me, uh, tell me one that you remember vividly that doesn't have the male main character in there. No. So the the opening scene, the opening scene does not feature solely the main character. It features bits of the main character, but not every single okay. scene. Hey, so I'm Sean, you don't have to answer right now, but I want your I want you to think about it and give me your answer at some point during the podcast. What do you think Atlas is more likely to do? <laughs> A That's I said re- I didn't animate, say I... animate new scenes with a female main character Remake all the anime scenes from the original Persona 3 with her in there and implement new navigation 3D rendering elements for her or or re-release really cheaply and easily for like a game that has already come out 12 years ago. It's more likely because they're going to go with the easier option and they're going to go with the Persona 3 portable version because people like Sean, he didn't like this version of the game. Sean be tearing his hair out if he played the PS2 version of the game. He'd be screaming, why is anyone... He'd say, this is fun, like drinking hot sauce and glass shards is. Like, that's that's the Persona 3 and the PS2 experience. It's chugging scorpion hot sauce with ground-up bits of glass in it. That's how much, like, I mean, it's a hard game. That game makes you a man. Like, uh, that game is rough. Persona 3 Portable is bearable. It's bearable. And that's why they're releasing it. It's also Persona 3 FES. Trivia fact. Terribly, terribly, terribly programmed. It's horrifically programmed. So much so that it was easier for them to make Persona 3 Portable from mostly the ground up, reusing some... Uh, some graphical elements, but it's mostly a brand new remake of the game for the PSP, and they made it. It makes it a lot easier to port. Persona Three FES can't touch. It's very difficult to do anything with. Sean, go ahead. I mean, of course, I agree with John. That's what they should do. But I also think you're absolutely right, Alex. That's not what they're going to do. And the operative words are cheap and easy. And yeah. I wish that we weren't cynical about game development, but I think we all are. And I would love nothing more than to see those anime scenes brought in. I had to go back and watch them on YouTube. They are infinitely better. They do oh, yeah. add a lot more flavor, but I agree. It's it's, it's almost impossible. There's no way it's going to happen. What I will well, drop if, if on I'm, you. If I'm going to say, right, it, out of this podcast, I am the heart of this podcast. I am the Dan Aykroyd of this podcast, okay? I wish... I want Atlas. If you ever listen to any of this, put those cutscenes back. Oh, bring John, them back, John. Atlas has listened to you. Did you not hear about this? Go on. There are rumors now, and I'm not kidding you. There are rumors that Persona Three is getting a remake with the Persona Five engine. Oh. Apparently, there are some rumors going around that Persona 3 would be remade. And if there's any Persona game that they're going to re-release 
That would get a it'd remake. Be it'd be that. It'd be that one. No one cares about. Sorry, I know Persona Two has a lot of fans, and from what I understand, they're it's pretty not, good games, but yeah. they don't have the popularity that Persona Three does. Nope. So, that is interesting. That's very I, interesting. And I'm very happy if, that you brought that up, Alex. And if they're I'm doing a re- your own argument, very good if, job. If they're going to do a remake at some point, then they might release the portable version, just you know, to get people interested and yeah. to kind of get some hype up, and then. Maybe they'll release a teaser saying they're gonna yeah. about the remake. That's what would likely so that people that again, cool. like Sean, can actually play the game. Because I realize now, after hearing him talk, if you don't know Atlas games, Persona Three is a very rough game to start with. Yep. Um, what I we're we're slowly getting to the point where I would recommend it. Uh, I would not recommend starting with Persona Three Portable. Nope. Uh, I would recommend to anyone listening to start out, if you're going to start with Persona, if you want to get into the series, start Persona 4 Golden. It's a great game. It's fun, quirky, cute. You play that and then play Persona 5 maybe. And then if you really like the games, try Persona 3. That's what I would say. Oh, there's a reason we're doing this this podcast now is because Persona 5 is coming to, to Game Pass. All the modern consoles! All the modern consoles are getting Persona 5. That's a great place to start, and you can get it on Game Pass for $1! For $1, you can play Persona 5 if you're uh, not part of the Game Pass. Uh, you can play uh, it on Switch, or yep. if you are so lucky, your Steam Deck. Oh, check this guy out. Yeah, it's blurring your own screen. because I know. That's well, I don't have any products with. to hawk like my co-hosts here. Um, apparently, <laughs> I, I did not get on this sweet, sweet ad revenue podcast host train. <laughs> uh, but I probably will be playing Persona 5. I don't know where I'll be playing it. I'll be playing it on some console that I don't need to plug here on the show. But I think I agree. I think from everything that I've seen, and Alex even said this during the break when we weren't recording, there's clearly a lot about this game that I like. I even said it. It's hard for me to describe why it was such an unpleasant experience. but. I, I want to believe that the the in future versions of the game that have improved upon it are going to unlock something. Now, maybe not, you know, um, we may come back in, in some episode where we're just here to talk and I may say, hey, I tried Persona 5. It was equally terrible. But my guess is that's probably not going to be the case. Not going to happen. That's a soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> You've said it now. It's too late. Um, all right. Well, uh, unless there's anything else everybody wants to bring up, I think we should probably bring things to a close. Nobody's saying anything. All right, oh. well, that was it for Persona 3 Portable, the thing that we've we've kind of uh, alluded to for the past few episodes that we're going to uh, to talk about. We did it. We got through the... Persona and... 3 Portable is a great game, and no yeah. one should play it. <laughs> what are it we talking about game. next? John, this is, your, this is your pick. It is. Kind of. So the next pick that we are going to be talking about is one of my personal favorites to to get somewhat into and then drop away from but we're going to do it this time it's front mission guys we're playing front mission uh you two are playing the the snes version of the game i'm playing the ds version just for for uh for giggles uh i'm not going to complete that sentence um but uh we are playing through the strategy rpg game front mission from squaresoft um it is getting a re-release or a remake in November for other consoles, just like Persona is, and we want to cover the origins of that. So we're going to do that. It is remake and re-release season, and without spoiling anything, you will see a few of those on upcoming episodes of Blow on the Cartridge. 
yeah we're gonna we have a we have a full schedule booked for things that are, are, are being remade uh, and being brought back for for people to uh, to compare against um but for now that's going to do it for today's episode thank you sean thank you alex thank you john and we'll see you all next time bye everybody bye